that's like that's like Salome's go-to when she doesn't have anything to say. She goes, "Oh, that's interesting." <laughs> sometimes that means sometimes so it means that's fucking stupid. Sometimes it means I definitely disagree, and sometimes it is, "Oh yeah, that's interesting." Like sometimes I actually do mean that. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Bears and Brews podcast, Micro Bruin Edition. So good to be back here with you all. I'm Charlotte, and I'm the peppiest one in this room right now. <laughs> you're the only one. You're the For only one in that room. Yeah. <laughs> Virtual well, in the dogs. <laughs> I don't feel necessarily not happy. I'm just like super tired. That's what people want to hear when they hear this. I am really. You guys are two uh, two hours behind me too. How's up, really? I'm just very overwhelmed. I have so, so, so much to do and uh, not enough time to do it. I'm sorry. But well, because you're okay. driving down to see Salome, so you got you to pack. Yes. And I have to go tomorrow and pick up a huge order from this local bakery. So this girl that <gasps> I know. You're bringing me some? No, unfortunately, it's not for you. It's not for me either. Uh, this girl at my work was like, oh my gosh, have you heard of this bakery? Um, it's in Twin Falls. And I was like, yeah, but there's one here too. It's not just in Twin Falls. And she's like, oh my God, if I put in a big order, will you bring me down a bunch of stuff? And <laughs> what is it? So, well, they make all sorts of stuff, but um, one of the things that I love getting from there is a huckleberry cinnamon roll. Sorry, why are you not bringing me some? Oh my God, that sounds amazing. What's your problem, Pam? uh, Can you mail me some of those? (laughs) Maybe when I go pick up the order tomorrow, I will grab a couple extra. What's What's the bakery called? I want to look it up. I'll tell you off mic. I don't want people stalking my town. (laughs) You don't want to support a local (laughs) business? They're, they're not paying us. I want to fly out just for that. Wanna, that sounds so good. Yeah, yeah the get them small to local us. business isn't paying us. You guys are so greedy. Mrs. Mrs. Powell's, if you want to sponsor us. <laughs> Everybody hit up Mrs. Powell's if you're in the Idaho-ish area. Yeah, they're all over. <laughs> uh, okay, so I want to talk about cats today. Aww. Cats in the news. Oh, spicy. This is controversial. Yes, wild cats. Big cats or little cats? Oh, like feral cats or wild Medium cats? Medium wild cats. <laughs> I want to talk about so like cats domestic and cats. <laughs> okay, I was like, I thought you meant like we're going to talk about the issues of like domestic cats on the environment, no. and I was like, oh, that's spicy. No, that's a hot um, topic for the three of us. Okay, I want to talk about um, wild cats because there's a couple super awesome things in the news, uh, recently for cats. So the first one is bobcats. And we touched on this a little bit, uh, in our elk episode, but, um, chronic wasting disease, which is a prion slash prion disease, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so over about 18 months Wyoming Game and Fish was feeding captive bobcats they were feeding them meat that had chronic wasting disease in it to see what would happen 
Rude. And <laughs> well, we know that um, we know that like mountain lions and stuff can actually help get rid of it in the environment, right? But so they wanted to see if it was the same with bobcats because cats can't get infected by it, so they can eat the meat just fine. So and and because these are like basically misfolded proteins, they can't be killed like bacteria or viruses. There's not a you know, there's not a vaccine, like things like that. Right. So what they found, so they fed them uh chronic wasting disease meat for a year and a half. And the first poop after eating it or after digesting it only had two percent of the original prions that they fed it. Okay, that's that's good news. And then on the Probably. second day... I don't know what it means, but that's good. good news. <laughs> on the second day, their poop only had 1%, and on the third day, none at all. So what does that mean? That means that these wild cats who are eating deer and elk with chronic wasting disease are ridding it from the environment. They are eating it, they are not getting infected, and they are somehow also not um, dispersing it through their feces. That's so so awesome. So don't shoot bobcats, (laughs) y'all. Seriously, these predators are literally, again, helping make herds healthier and you know we talked before about how when when you have when you're a hunter and you have an animal with chronic wasting there's a lot of of precautions you have to take right and you have to be really careful um so when we have these predators on the landscape they are they are literally built to help get rid of these things in that natural process Nature finds a way. Nature balances itself out. And it's really cool to see. Mm -hmm. And with mountain lions, it's about 3%. So it's really, you know, it's, it's very close to the same. But I was doing some research and... Health, this is how like this is how hard it is to kill and get rid of. So health officials tell people to treat surfaces that have come in contact with an infected animal with a solution of lye and bleach. Oh my or God. it has to be yeah, it has to be heated to temperatures greater than nine hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Which is like impossible to do Holy in a house. Shit. Like you That's need a cream for that. So I think <laughs> I think the lie is because I think lie dissolves that type of, like, I think it dissolves proteins and some other things. Like, it will, you know, dissolve your body. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a happy thought. But that makes sense to me. Yeah, well, there's only a few ways to um, kind of turn off a protein, right? And one of them is by heat. So it can cause that to unravel and kind of quote unquote die. Uh, yes, we learned this in high heat, high school bio and AP bio. Yeah, that like it affects how well proteins work if you denature them. Yes, and that's there's a couple, you know, there's a few ways to do it. One is heat, and the other main one is changing the pH, which is what that lye and bleach are for. That makes so, sense. But the, I mean, it kind of tells. Oh, like, someone how tell Ms. Bernard. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna write her ass a letter. Um, yeah. So you know, nature's cleaning crew, our little scavengers 
are helping get rid of chronic wasting. So if you actually don't want all the elk and deer to disappear, let's fucking get them out there and let's let's stop yeah. trapping let's stop trapping them and killing them all and actually let them take care of some of this shit. Make it easier on us. Anyway, that's the Bobcat news. Sounds like a good idea. Nature figures it out. Like, that's just something I always find so interesting. Like, nature can regulate itself. And that's not to say we shouldn't do things about, like, man-made issues like climate change. But I just always find it fascinating because, like, any problem, nature will figure it out. And I just, it's just very impressive to me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it nature is. will always find a way to kill us. Yes. So. Yep. We are not any better than any other mammal or any different than any other mammal. Have you guys ever seen a bobcat in the wild? Mm-mm. No. I don't think so. I haven't either. You know what sucks though? Last winter there was a bobcat in Firehole Canyon in Yellowstone. And a deer, they think a deer had fallen off like a 200 foot cliff and the bobcat was Mm. with it when people came across it, but there were no tracks. So they think the bobcat like chased it off and maybe grabbed him and fell with him or something like that. Uh, Something, something insane happened, especially because inside the park, there's usually not deer in the winter. So this bobcat got real lucky, but he had been out every day in super, super, um, like, I want to say maybe 100 feet across from where the road is. There's a Firehole River, and he was right across it, same eye level as people, so many great pictures. We go out there, we miss him by a couple hours, and I was just, like, so bummed. I'll share the photos (laughs) of how we saw it in the winter and then how I saw the same scene. Cause I saw some bones from the same spot this summer. Oh, I feel that's like cool. I've never seen one. Um, have you ever seen a lynx? I don't, I don't mm. think I've seen any of these in the wild. Okay. Salome, you didn't see any in Alaska. No, you don't think I'm okay. sure I didn't. That would be really cool if I did. But So I've seen lynx in Alaska uh, multiple times, and they are f- so fucking cool. Uh, they yeah. were listed in the endangered species list in 2000, um, and there were efforts in 2017 to remove them from that list. Uh, the requirements to delist were not met, and so they didn't get to be removed. But... U.S. Fish and Wildlife has a new draft recovery plan. So it has so this this uh, draft recovery plan. It has a bunch of different requirements. I actually read the whole thing, but I'm not going to bore you guys too much. Um, <laughs> so the main things is they want to identify and conserve high quality lynx habitat and potential like climate refuges right because they are one of those animals that is very very snowpack dependent like wolverines and some other things that we've talked about before so they want to um, improve the resiliency in the breeding populations and the connectivity between the two and that goes from canada into i want to say there are six areas in the northern part of the U.S. that they are trying to basically maintain or restore 
those areas so that they can support resident breeding populations. Um, and so they also want to reduce or remove threats to those areas by by basically working on the habitat protection. So um, regulatory stuff uh, that we can get on the books and even like voluntary conservation efforts. So um, nonprofits, things like that. And obviously a lot of links monitoring um, of, of kind of how all of that stuff works. So that's kind of the point of the plan. And they are going to work with like federal, state and tribal partners and private landowners. And they're saying they want to use the best available science, but I mean, what does that mean? That means that it just means, sounds like, funny. Well, it sounds funny because it's just, it's because half the time with these like restoration or reintroduction plans or whatever, they don't actually do that. They say it and they put it in, in writing. We're going to use, you know, the best available science, which is just the, the, the newest, most confirmed shit basically. But you know, the wolf reintroduction in this area is a great example because they, they did not use the best best available science when they delisted them, and they did not meet the the contracted requirements to delist, but they still delisted them. So, but not Oof. only do they want to restore the lynx habitat, but a huge thing is restoring snowshoe hare habitat because that is okay. the lynx main food. And actually, I kind of wish my mom was still here because a few years ago in Fairbanks, she was telling me this. There was like, for some reason, the snowshoe hares got like completely wiped out one winter and lynx started eating each other <gasps> in and around my hometown. Oh, yeah. shit. I that. Sad. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. creepy. Oof. Yeah, yeah, but the cool thing, so the cool thing about this plan is they want to, like, enhance these um, connected areas between the U.S. and Canada, right, because there's quite a few links in Canada. I mean, they are a Canada links, right? Right. Um, and right. they want to do, like, long-term protections, and I think one of the big key things that I really like about this plan is trying to identify and conserve these climate refuge habitats because we are on we're on a horrible path and i don't know that we can stop it or even slow it so you know at least being able to go okay where can they live what can we do to make it more hospitable um what we do know is that the distribution of their population is strongly correlated with winter temperature Right, because again, that's snowpack. Right, um, the the climate conditions in the areas that currently support lynx populations are expected to substantially diminish just through the end of this century. So, in the next seventy five years, and they're I, not as. I wish we could just do something about fucking climate change. I'm so we can we can over it. I know we can, we can, and we can at least slow it. Like we they were, just won't. they just won't. Yes, I have. Yeah. God, and it's, it's like, like just John so Mayer damaging. Song. It's going to kill that us. John- <laughs> climate change is going to kill yeah, us. Yeah, that one he did about climate change. I think no, he called we- it climate change is going to kill us, right? No, or a broken up. heart. Something. He has a song. 
called Waiting on the World to Change. Oh, yeah. Such a song of like my early 20s of like, yeah, fuck the man. Like, uh, yeah. I never knew what it was about. I just remember the refrain. Yeah. So links are not very adaptable. They are super, super sensitive. And um, they're not, so their cousins, which are the bobcats, they are very adaptable. There's bobcats in Alaska and Northern Canada, and there's bobcats in like Mexico and desert areas. Like they are just everywhere. Like bobcats can be in damn near any kind of climate situation, but not not with links and so the the projected like resiliency of these populations they think it's going to decline like a lot by the mid-century and you know almost damn near be gone by the end of the century so we have some things that we need to do but but this is a cool thing one of the awesome things that's part of this plan is to minimize sources of human-caused mortality so vehicle collisions that includes cars snow machines snow snowmobiles um, uh i didn't think about that logging trucks and any kind of like human vehicle and then another thing is incidental trapping or hunting meaning mistaken identity or oh. you know you're trying to trap a martin and you trap a a lynx so they're trying to you know cut down on on a lot of that on a lot of that stuff and and the requirements for delisting them are going to be like a couple different things like their abundance obviously the habitat the, the habitat. habitat yeah i know <laughs> what you mean can you just please just intentionally say it that way the for habitat, forevermore <laughs> the habitat <laughs> connectivity right because we need them to be able to crossbreed you know with these other populations for genetic variation and then the cool thing is habitat quantity so they're going to identify all these habitats for links you know that are these climate refugees these good habitats whatever but they have to be 95 percent maintained as a good habitat for over 20 years minimum so mm. if if they identify these areas and for whatever reason that becomes, you know, inhospitable over time, they got to start fresh with a different one. So okay. I think so it's that's actually cool. good, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, cool. you know, and threat-based stuff like regulatory things for hopefully helping with climate change um, and, you know, conservation specifically for them. But something I was reading about today in Canada, um, there are 12 tribes and they call themselves like the Colville Confederated Tribes. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like an organization of all of them together. And they have a five-year plan to locate 10 links to Washington State and hopefully... Okay. Um, cool. You know, establish a breeding program. So we're getting help. Not only do we have this plan that's happening, but we are also getting help uh, from other countries and you know other people who realize the value of them and their habitats. So I think they've already, uh, I think they've already put two there, but I'm not entirely sure. But they're going to do ten over the next five years. So that's, that's awesome. going to be really cool. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. Very cool. They're cool. 
big cats a couple are cool. of this stuff is a little disheartening right um about habitats and things like that but i you know i want to share good wildlife news in the micros whether it's the whole episode or not in this case it's the whole episode because i went down a rabbit hole and read <laughs> i read this whole well they did two things so they did an updated species assessment um which like evaluates you know current and future and then that's how they that's what they use to come up with this draft recovery plan i know sometimes it maybe feels like it isn't heard very much but uh, i'll give you guys a quick example of something awesome when people were actually listened to and that's over in jackson there's a little parcel of land called the kelly parcel and uh they were going to sell it for just like you know a, a fucking bidding war basically with all these developers and the national park service offered to buy it they said no it was this whole thing people were protesting um the commission decided to go ahead with the auction and people lost their shit even more, more like literally protesting all through Jackson emails, phone call, like, like petitions, everything. And so the commission finally said the land commission said, okay, we'll table it for now. So good. It's not a permanent I, win, but it's a, it's a win for that Kelly parcel, you know, for now. Yeah. And you, for sure. Your voice does matter. You know, it's not always listened to as much as we would like it, but it does matter. You know, there is an example of that in Geneva with a redistricting thing. And um, I don't know, there was public commentary open for AI recently um, with the, uh, federal government trying to get some new AI rules on the books since nothing's on the books. Um, and this wildlife uh, or this bobcat management plan in New York, that has open commentary. It said through um, January 17th through March 2nd. I'm going to say we need to, you know, it's important to protect the bobcats. Sure. Minimize conflict but i'm gonna say something about how uh they help chronic wasting disease now with this information that pam you has should, given me and you should you can, should link the study i will um if you can if you can send me the study or the article yes. whatever the yeah then i absolutely will because then it'll make me sound legit and not like you know well yeah and, making up you science know, new, york has, new york has done a pretty good job with chronic wasting but it's still there you know, yeah, it's still yeah, there. It is. So, I mean, I, you still hear about it. So yeah, that's some good news for big cats. Um, as far as mountain lions go, uh, we're gonna have a microbrew, and that's kind of a follow-up episode for them because there's a lot going on in Utah with those that stupid fucking trapping bullshit that's going on, and um, yeah. So hopefully, you know, I. Again, we have bad news a lot, so I just went down this rabbit hole of reading this whole recovery plan in my spare time, because that's just what I do. <laughs> so I wanted to but share some of that. But now we have some good news. <laughs> yeah, I like I like that we have some good news to share. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and hopefully we can get some, some good links action. Uh, yeah. Fingers crossed. 
Well, this has been another micro-brewing of Bears and Brews podcast. Thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and most importantly, share. Um, We really want this podcast to grow because we really want to get this wildlife information and like science-based information out to people. Yeah, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Bears and Brews podcast. And you can email us, bearsandbrewspodcast at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you, Christian Mills, for our music. And we'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.